with all of the change and chaos we've seen here in the early months of 2020, what are we expecting and hoping for when it comes to the future of Street Fighter V development? Plus, tournament organizers for CEO, Combo Breaker, and Evo have all banned one competitor for the use of a racial slur on Twitter, leaving the community to wonder about the fates of the numerous other figures who have made similar posts in the past. We also welcome on Majin Tenshinhan and Dark Horse to talk about the apparent train wreck that was the Guilty Gear Strive beta, all here on episode 100 of the Event Hubs podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. Uh, this has been an insane week. Uh, I think in, in the FGC, sure, over the weekend, but for me as well, it's just been all up and down, and which is kind of weird because right now that with the quarantine, it feels like stuff is, is a lot more uh, stagnant and, and not so crazy and up and down, but at least for me, it's certainly been all over the place, and I, and I imagine that's kind of going to be the theme for... Uh, for a lot of our discussions here too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, getting into it actually, I, I know that you, you cover this story. It's a very sensitive topic and it's pretty hard to cover, but basically uh, what happened is, uh, you know, low tier God and Sarah blast ended up getting uh, banned from. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, can, can you actually get into the details here for our listeners that, that may not have heard about it yet? Sure. Sure. So going into the weekend, I have uh, Saturday, Sunday off. And so going into the weekend, Friday evening is where I was, I was finishing up my shift and seeing the beginnings of this really start to play out. And, um, and then by the time I came back on Monday, things had progressed in a, a crazy direction that I, I didn't really foresee, but the story was still uh, definitely unfolding at that point too. And I think it kind of still is. But to back up a little bit, I think it was April 15th that this uh, inciting incident happened where... The famous, the infamous low tier god was uh, playing some Street Fighter V online and live streaming and ran into Sarah Blast, uh, who, for the, um, the sake of this uh, story, it's relevant that Sarah Blast recently came out as um, transgender and refers to now herself uh, as she. A non binary, I believe, as well. Non binary so. trans, yeah. Yes. So uh, they were playing online and Sarah Blast uh, started doing sweeps, just, you know, pretty trolly kind of player, can be, absolutely. And Low Tier God pulled his trademark move and rage quit. And then for at least a minute and 30 seconds or so, at least that's how long the clip was that started making circulation on the internet. LTG started doing his other trademark move, which is to say a lot of toxic stuff, said some homophobic stuff, said some transphobic stuff, uh, none of which will get repeated here, but you can use your imagination, and if you really want to find it, I'm sure it wouldn't be too hard to do so. That started making the rounds on social media, and TOs for both CEO and Combo Breaker, Alex Jabaley and Rick Thayer, both banned LTG from their events. A few days later, Mr. Wizard took to Twitter to say that LTG was also banned from Evo. At this point, everyone goes, ah, it's not even really news. The only news here is that we didn't realize that LTG wasn't already banned from these events because everyone kind of felt like that was probably the case. Well, the story doesn't end there, though. Things continued to go um, <laughs> to go down this, uh, this weird rabbit hole, and people started to now investigate Ceroblast. And just about three weeks or so prior, someone uh, dug up a tweet that she said where she used the N-word with a soft A, if that's significant. 
and has done so on her stream with some frequency. It doesn't really matter how much frequency it has it's happened. And shortly thereafter, Ceroblast also receives a ban to all three of these tournaments, which I think it's safe to say these are the three biggest tournaments in America. Now we have LTG banned from Evo, CEO, and Combo Breaker, and we have Ceroblast banned for uh, one for being homophobic and transphobic, amongst other things, the, uh, the other for using the N-word on Twitter. Well, now people are going, uh, so did we just set a precedent for banning people that have used the N-word on Twitter or on their streams? Because if so, bye-bye a lot of the FGC. And sure enough, people are starting to dig up old tweets. It's actually a fairly easy process. Uh, you just go on Twitter and you know type their handle and, and the word that you suspect they may have used, and people were uh, posting these all over the place. You got a long list of names where if this is the new precedent, well, I guess they should be banned. And and whether or not that's for you know a, a limited amount of time or if it's lifetime ban, I'm not exactly sure. But we find ourselves now um, having already sort of opened this can of worms and it's like, well, how do we go about it? How do we, you know, make these rules? And what are we going to do? What's what's the rule? And uh, I don't know. I don't know how we're going to move forward on this. But I would not like to be in the uh, in the shoes of some of these big tos right now, because, like I said, that we've kind of already started going down a slope that we may or may not want to be going down. And I don't know if we can back up now or if we go a few more steps, uh, if we'll be able to back up then. So yeah, some of these TOs have made their accounts private and just kind of said, hey, I'm not going to you know, be dealing with this right now. Uh, as you mentioned, if, if people are going to be banned for saying the N-word, our variants of it, um, you're going to ban a lot of the big time names in the FGC. And again, I don't know what kind of standards are going to be set here. I don't know what the heck is going to happen. Um, I personally, though, I think considering the names involved here in the FGC, including some of the TOs, um, I think you're going to see this go away and not be talked about much mm -hmm. going forward. I think it's just going to kind of be something where it's like, yeah, we did this. It's got to be right. Cause like, otherwise I don't see how this all plays out like with a half empty Evo, yeah. you know? So, ugh. uh, but yeah, I, I imagine it just gets kind of swept under the rug and Sarah, like you're saying, Sarah Blast was kind of like the, like an initial casualty here, but we don't keep going. And, and that's if everybody turns a blind eye. But if people start you know, saying, no, you have to acknowledge this, you have to do something about it. You know, the people that attend your events are also going to be a loud voice in this particular decision making process because you're, you're creating an event with an atmosphere that um, is not only fun, but also feels safe and um, and where people don't feel like they're going to be uh, harassed by people that have that have you know conducted themselves in certain ways and and that's an argument that people are, are could bring to the table and so uh, yeah that's a real sticky situation yeah I think it's a, a discussion bigger than us and uh, I, I would like to see some people who um, are more educated on this and understand this more that you know the implications and all that kind of weigh in on it and then hopefully you know the tos and everyone else kind of take you know that approach with it where, where there's like hey you know if they don't understand what to do find some people who do and deal with it that way you know instead of just uh, having a knee-jerk reaction to stuff mm -hmm. uh, i don't know what the right thing is to do here you know i'm, I'm just saying like uh, i i hope that they can educate themselves because it looks like they've really dug themselves a very large hole and i don't know how they're going to get out of it 
and um and and some people probably feel they shouldn't get out of it you know i i i don't know but um but yeah it's it's a heavy subject yeah and then it's Mm -hmm. like well does it stop with this or did now do we extend it to any any kind of slurs that have been posted on twitter you know if you've used the f word for for gay people does that you know you get kevin hearted you know stuff like that so uh, a real slippery slope yeah yeah so anyway, uh, taking our own advice here, uh, we're going to switch gears and talk <laughs> about what the future may hold here for Street Fighter V. And first off, I want to set the stage with a bit of background information of why this is such a big topic. And we got what people are calling the 0.5 update about a month ago. Whether this should truly be called like a 0.5 update, whether we should even be using that from the get-go or whatever, uh, that's up for debate. That's something we'll get into yet another time. But again, I, I, I've been calling it March point five because it's either the March update or the point five. Uh, March point five is is good for me. Yeah, it, it's like I mean, it's it's so for debate. But I mean, that, again, a subject we'll get into. It, I think in the future, however you want to term it, you guys know what we're talking about, right? Uh, so Ono stated recently that they always envisioned for the game to continue being supported for many years. This was always in their head. He added that they saw an increasing number of active users after the launch of Champion Edition, with half a million matches being played daily. Right? Ono's pretty hyping up here of uh, of Street Fighter V when the messaging around the game, even from Capcom, has not been that great even kind of throughout season four it was kind of like well there was very little messaging right but even before then uh they have not exactly sounded flowery uh flowery i should say about the game it's been more of like uh it's been more of like yeah it exists we're supporting it it's all this kind of stuff but now we're starting to hear much more like oh yeah this is kind of our game this is kind of like what we're doing here um and and actually ono went as far as saying that that updating the game's netcode and Fighting game balance is something they're looking into continuously. They understand and embrace that challenge, like of updating both things kind of simultaneously, like realizing like they should go hand in hand. This is all happening here in 2020. This mm. is all like kind of like this is not, you know, statements I've dug up from five years ago or something like that. This is like all just recently happened in the last handful of months. And to me, this sets the stage for possibly seeing even more life for Street Fighter V than we basically anticipated before. Now, when you say more life, do you mean like more DLC characters? I think so. Yeah, I think that DLC characters is one of the places that Capcom will need to go. And one of the reasons why is that Ultra Street Fighter 4 got us up to 44 characters, and we're at 40 right now in Street Fighter 5. I think releasing a handful more uh, of more characters, uh, and maybe even a few new modes actually, over this next year or so, seems like a smart move. We do still have the tournament mode, right? That, that yes, hasn't exactly. come up. Yeah, and there are a lot of weird variables in place here, of, of course, because of any potential blocks or or hindrances that the uh, the coronavirus quarantine chapter that we're in right now very well could have put capcom through or be putting capcom through right now and are they going to call audibles we know that i mean all these events are now off uh uh, does this mean that they have a lot more time on their hands or does this mean they're scrambling to kind of uh, uh make some transition and still hold on to the the something of the initial plans like i don't know there's a lot of potential chaos or maybe it's just super quiet if people can't do much but uh, it's hard to predict here, uh, but I, so the way I approach this is uh, it's got to be from the consumer side and wondering like if I'm a consumer or even if I'm Capcom trying to get into the head of the consumer, what do I want? Because a yeah. lot of people have also been saying when Street Fighter 6. Now, I think exactly. Champion Edition, it's, it's success. And I would say that the transition into Champion Edition and the recent 
online updates and a lot of the things that Capcom has been doing for Street Fighter V have been successful and they have made the game a lot more shiny than it has been. So maybe that would also lower the uh, the want to just move on. I can see that, and that's legit. And hey, you just you know kind of put a fresh coat of paint on your game. Let's let it breathe for a little bit, you know, before we get into a Street Fighter Six or something like that. Yeah. Now potentially throwing a wrench in all this has been, of course, the coronavirus. Uh, it's derailed development and progress pretty much everywhere you look. Um, while we've been lucky actually here to be somewhat insulated on event hubs, it's definitely hit us in some respects as well. Some very mm-hmm. tough aspects we've had to face. It's not it's not anything we're just like completely being able to ignore, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the fact of the matter is that Street Fighter V does have a shelf life, and based on the timelines we've spoken about before, a new Street Fighter game is most likeliest to happen around early 2022. Uh, that's about, uh, it's a bit under two years away. Now, that could be changing here with the coronavirus, um, it's like even Nintendo with Smash Brothers, like uh, Sakurai, he was saying that at one point that they worried that development would stop entirely on Smash Ultimate, but that he and Nintendo were able to figure out some things. Um, but I mean, again, it's, it's very clear that this is delaying development of these games uh, for good reason. You know, it, it's it's just, you know, it is what it is. We've also had the CPT canceled until at least July. I think it's going to go a little bit more tor- towards August and stuff. Um, you know, the, the first uh, part of the CPT is completely gone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now the question becomes... Capcom clearly still wants to update Street Fighter V for the time being. You know, what else might we want to see besides characters and, and new modes? Or is that it? Like, is that all we really need to see with this game? Like, are, are, is there anything out there that you think the community is pretty much going to be like, yeah, we really need this to kind of keep the, the game fresh and relevant for the next year, two years, or, or so forth? If people aren't satisfied with the online experiences and we've discussed that ad nauseum, right? But it's still, it's so relevant and it keeps coming up in in different capacities. But if they're not satisfied with online, that has been such a, uh, a, a, like sticks out with as a sore thumb part of the Street Fighter V, not experience, but the things that people talk about when they want change. That conversation has been going on since day one, but hey, we've had like, you know, four and a half-ish years now for uh, continued development and fixing of problems and that seems to be maybe the last bastion between street fighter 5 being a a, you know well accepted game and the last people sort of holding out saying that there's something uh in like like just innately wrong with it um so if that is up to par then i think you can start to explore other stuff but if you're giving it you know, if, if you're if you're washing the windows and stuff, but there's like a problem still with the engine, people are going to be upset by that and uh, decisions to do those kind of things. I don't know how, it, how it'll be received. The other big part of this, though, is that we just got updates and it seems like they're they're doing reasonably well. Like it's mm-hmm. the experience is, is better than it was. And how much are you going to expect? So maybe we're at that place already. And if so, and I don't know, I don't know what the community is feeling right now on that particular subject, but if so, then sure. I will note that, that esports continues to be a gigantic thing for Capcom and that they need a product that fully supports that. And if Street Fighter wasn't doing the best job uh, of being the esports game, it was doing the job there. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's getting it got Capcom into the Olympics. The Olympics were canceled and they, they've been moved to 2021. So, like, how does that timeline look like? The, it's not just like they can cancel Street Fighter five now and say, hey, we're not updating it at all. Uh, that's going to be a pretty bad look for them. They have to kind of continue to put out some updates here, probably clear into 2021. Right. I don't think they can just 
kill development off of it, it's a kind of a bad look for a game that's, you know, uh, built as a service and now is in the Olympics and all that kind of stuff. Um, plus, I mean, again, with the coronavirus, they probably have to push out development of Street Fighter Six a bit more. I mean, it's just this is this is logics, uh, logic, uh, logistics, I should say, that they have to look at and, and factor into their development time. Yeah. You know, so with what we have in front of us right now, it's a lot of people playing a lot of online because it's all we have. Online's better, maybe not perfect, but it's better. So if I were Capcom, um, I don't know everything that's going on in their inner workings, but from my point of view, maybe a good goal to have would be to make playing online even more competitive. And I don't mean through faster connections and less lag, that's already been sort of attended to. I mean through uh, maybe more like seasonal play, maybe a revamp, and maybe a, an emphasis or a change in the way that points work, something along those lines. I play, again, a lot of Heroes of the Storm, and that has the model where there are these seasons of play where you, you play, you know, you, um, the points kind of reset. And I don't know if you'd want a full reset. This is just one example, but it's somewhere you could go with, with Street Fighter to get people to, uh, to focus more on this particular mode and to be motivated to play because you, you really want people mm -hmm. playing right now and this is the only way they're going to do it. So maybe focus on this particular avenue. But um, in, in, the, in the, uh, the case of Heroes, and I think a lot of MOBAs follow this kind of, um, this kind of uh, points uh, league ranked schedules that they'll reset every so often and then you'll have to replace into uh, a placement and you can do so fairly quickly. You know, uh, just in your initial matches after everything is reset, you play a few and then you uh, you get placed into pretty close to where you were before and and then start again from there. But it, it kind of like changes things up or maybe you make these um, uh, something of a, of a regular tournament series uh, acknowledged by Capcom for people. We're seeing tournaments pop up all over the place. But I think a focus on making online more competitive, getting people more excited to play online. They're already going to do it. But, and now it's where all of their focus is. Maybe uh, put a few more bells and whistles there to get us to choose to play Street Fighter Online as opposed to hey, something like HOTS. Yeah, it's... Um the incentives are a little bit uh, archaic right now. Both you and I are Guy Master, and there's incentive for you and I to go on and play, but the incentive is like, let's get better. You know, like maybe yes. get to Ultimate Grandmaster. I mean, but that's a long, that's a lot of points to get up there. Uh, you know, both you and I aren't like terribly far away from that, but it's like, it's it's you know a month or two of grinding to get there right i mean it, and that's not exactly it's a, a month or two of grinding once you've passed whatever plateau you're at exactly. you know because because people because yeah. people level out at places uh, I've, I've ran into a couple of people in recent games that I, i've jumped back on and played a handful of hours just yesterday and today and i ran into people that were you know super diamond six months ago when i last saw them and they're still super diamond yes. and i'm like dude and, and they're better than they were but they're still in that that kind of plateau so not only do you need to overcome you know to just grind it out in the physical time of, of getting the wins but also you need to figure out how to start getting the wins and not mixture of you know playing against a diamond player and, and going two and one still nets you a loss as far as points go so it's yeah. hard and that's a you know that's a good thing you never want to remove you always want to have that incentive there for people but you want other incentives as well like you know that simple things like fight money we knew people that would play the game for fight money and mm -hmm. other things like there's you want to have like a little bit more reward I think for online I think we're kind of answering our own question that we put out there and that's I think online could use a, a few more bells and whistles to keep people engaged and you can again look at games like Heroes of the Storm or other esports titles look at what they've done and get that out there and I think you have a more successful product that you can build upon for your next next game 
you know, for your Street Fighter 6 or for whatever and whatnot. It just, it engages people a little bit more like, hey, yeah, maybe you've been stuck at Super Diamond for a year, you know, but here's another reason to play online. Here's another thing that you can look at that's, it's fun. It's fun to watch the meters go up and the treasure mm-hmm. chests get open and all that kind of oh, stuff. Oh man, like, the, yeah. the dopamine drip that comes from getting open up a loot chest. Ooh, baby. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. So th- there's a lot of ways to do it and it doesn't just have to be characters and improve net code. That's what we want. But in, in turn with that, like you can, you can really soup up online play and, you know, make Make it better right so they're they're sort of there um and maybe right now is a great time and this would definitely be part of the discussion we were just having maybe right now would be a great time to focus on tweaking the game's economy which it's a lot of initial attempts a lot of firsts and a lot of falling flat on your face which happens with firsts but especially if you've just been given the gift of some downtime that you didn't expect but you have to go through and and you you have to shift gears onto something for the time being which is the case for a lot of people right now in a lot of different avenues of life maybe use this time to tweak that maybe before the 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 call was okay street fighter 5 is going to be a test bed for this new style of in-game economy um, but Street Fighter Six is where we're going to further refine it, and, and that would make sense in the logical progression. But maybe you have time to make that uh, refinement happen once again right now, and then, hey, it's even better in Street Fighter Six. And I there agree. are a lot of ways to go about that. But, and again, I don't know ex- everything that Capcom has to pay attention to right now and what's actually on its plate and how much opportunity they actually have there in the headquarters, but from my point of view, this wouldn't be a bad call to make right now. Yeah. Street Fighter 6 could be like two years away from now. I think um, that's kind of what we're looking at regardless. And I will say that like testing the stuff out in advance of that, like kind of maybe not perfecting it, but getting it to a high level before that product hits, that should be beneficial for them. Uh, you know, experiment with Street Fighter 5. I don't think people are going to care that much if you try some new things because it's like, well, we don't have to do this stuff. Where if it's baked into Street Fighter 6 and a big part of the game, you want to have that formula at a high level at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the game's tournament mode. Some people are going to take it. Some people are going to leave it. That's all right. So it's an instrumental part of, of your game, like it's, you, you want to have that at a high level is what mm-hmm. I'm getting at. So anyway, so Street Fighter six, two years away, sounds like a lot, but, but these games typically have a full year or more of marketing hype leading into them. And that goes by relatively quickly. At least it did for me with Street Fighter 4 to Street Fighter 5. Like, it's like I was having so much fun with Street Fighter 4 that it's like, oh, Street Fighter 5 is here. That's great. You know, so uh, for myself, again, watching a year of hype videos, uh, getting some location test time uh, that like E3 or other places, like getting to mess around with the beta version of the game, getting that feedback over to Capcom, all that kind of stuff like that. That year kind of goes by quickly. So I do look at Street Fighter 6 as being, yeah, probably two years away or so. But it's also that time can kind of go by very quickly depending on what Capcom does here and kind of what we do here as the FGC. Yeah. Man, make make fight money worth pursuing again. You know, like, I and, and how does that happen? There's a lot of different ways to do it. You make uh, little customizable things, or, or maybe it's just like a, I mean, they have it all there, right? They have extra costumes or extra colors or even extra titles. They have dojo mode, which I don't know if anybody even acknowledges much anymore, where you can dress the dojo up. Maybe that wasn't quite it, but it's it's definitely a start. But make we're not spending our fight money on, on any of these costumes or characters anymore, but maybe introduce something else. You know, something that's not too time consuming, but something worth doing, uh, like like borders for when you pop up on the character or when you pop up on the fight screen before a fight actually starts. Maybe if someone's, you know, done a certain amount of things with a particular character, you can do something that would be cool that you actually want to have. Like you're, you're the border of your 
a little box of information changes. I don't know, but make... uh, unlock costume colors, you know, some unique and, and awesome costume colors, which don't take Capcom a long time to develop. But if you can have a, a unique costume color that 1% of the population has, that's kind of special. Mm-hmm. So. so it's, it's a lot of that stuff's there. Focus on making it fun, fun to pursue, worthwhile. And because we're, Hey, we've been, we've still been grinding up that fight money. We have some to spend. So. So next up, I wanted to get into using cell phones to get fighting game community events back up and running. And for those who didn't see the story that I wrote, the basic premise here is that we can use our cell phones as a monitoring tool to help get offline tournaments uh, going again. Um, And basically what it would do is uh, it would report your health status on your cell phone and that could be scanned by people you know, at the door or other things. It would also let you travel to certain places or whatnot. This has been done in China and I realize that like privacy people are just losing their minds over this uh, and immediately saying, hey, I don't want my health status all over the place and whatnot. And this is the, the concept here is like this is better than nothing because if we're completely locked down because of the coronavirus and we are right now, this might be a way of getting some like concert sporting events and other things up and going a little bit faster. Uh, Obviously, the FGC could not lead the way here. Uh, It would not be based around it, but it it could be potentially uh, technology that we can piggyback off of to like get our own events going because um, sporting events, concerts, those things make billions of dollars. And, and, you know, America and a number of other countries are going to want to get that back up and and going right away. Mm -hmm. So um, again, every privacy expert right now is either writing me an angry Twitter message or has turned (laughs) off the podcast. I get that. Uh, But I will just really quickly mentioned that we had the real ID requirement uh, coming in soon to travel via airlines. Um, I see the health status thing as being a similar. I get it, your medical information, other that stuff like, you know, the devil's in the details there. But it, to me, that's better than nothing. And it's like, if you don't want to put that information out there, you don't have to. You don't have to take it. But if you do want to go to events a little sooner, this would be a way of doing it. So we give... We give too much power to the powers that be, and then all of a sudden they execute Order 66 on us, John. Is what I'm <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I'm seeing up and down in Reddit and in our comments and other places. Like they, they're definitely not happy with this concept and whatnot. And again, it's it has to be a take it or leave it thing. And I think that's the only thing that's going to fly here in America. Other countries will see, but I, I don't think that requiring this among uh, our people is going to be something that works but uh, but yeah well modern modern problems require modern solutions right so i wouldn't personally be super against this you'd have to see all the details that go into it but if it's just you know what, what would it be like taking your temperature or like a, a quick test to I, I would i assume it wouldn't be a covid test right you wouldn't be seeing if someone has um you know the disease and whatnot but do we have any particulars on what that might look like uh, there's a lot of things floating out there. And I mean, every government is going to want to implement it in a different way. Um, but it, they look at like where you've traveled to uh, in the past and then um, uh, kind of like what you're cleared to go into and whatnot. And it is based somewhat on temperature and other things like when was, was your last medical checkup? Um, something like, you know, we're working on antibody testing, uh, mass antibody testing and whatnot. And this could show that if, if you've already had it and you've got the antibodies, like you're good to go. You can go anywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's basically a way to kind of get us going a little bit faster uh, recovering a little faster from this, but of course, with some obvious drawbacks that people have pointed out. Do you think that kind of a thing happens regardless as we emerge out of this as a society anyway? Like just in, even if we don't do it like uh, like fairly fairly quickly from right now, but just whenever the um, the the shift happens, it's like that's the way we kind of shift back into doing these sort of things is through that stuff. Or do you think it could eventually get to a point where we don't even need that? 
Um, I think that unless it's pretty much mandated by the government and, you know, people want to get reelected and stuff and not put things that are going to get them thrown out of office out there. Mm. Uh, I, I can't see the government making this a way forward because, again, the, the privacy concerns are legit. I get that. Uh, this is just kind of a way of kickstarting things and getting them back up and going and saying, hey, uh, we want to get people back to events and doing concerts if they'd like to, you know, get our, get our economy going a little faster uh, and, and not make it a, a requirement. So, yeah. I personally, I'd be down if it was like, take your temperature or, you know, show that you, you know, what's your medical history and such. Like, I don't, I'm not too worried about that stuff, but I know a lot of people are. And, and yeah, I, I see that. And again, this is just a kickstart for the beginning. It's not like everyone needs to do it. So I like the idea that it's, you know, you can elect to do it or not. That makes yeah. sense to me. So sure. I'm, I'm on board as far as I can see so far. Yeah, uh, my mailbox just got flooded by every Reddit member <laughs> on the planet, so I'm going to be busy here for the next couple months, But so my idea is probably going to fall flat on that note. But anyway, um, Event Hubs, I want us to talk of, uh, about our outlet, um, um, our website, our podcast, being a bit of a checks and balance system on the fighting game developers, the top players, and kind of the FGC as a whole. Mm-hmm. And uh, people had wondered why I wrote the article about Urian not being the number one character. And just flat out, it's mainly to protect against special interest people and groups in the FGC getting ahead of the field. You know, focusing heavily on Urian right now isn't doing the community any favors, in my opinion. Uh, and and I've, I've spoken with Dream King and uh, Velociraptor here, and they've, you know, backed up my statements. I definitely checked with them. Um, and again, the reason how come Urian is not jumping out is his results and the evidence simply do not add up to him being the number one character in the game. Uh, you can debate that. That's fine. Uh, we've looked at it. We feel very confident with that opinion. Um, we've got... <sighs> Speaking of results, we've seen so much more from like Akuma and Topanga League, where Tokido finished with a plus 20 game differential score. In the second place person, Fudo, he had a plus six. It was an extremely dominant run. Probably, I think off the top of my head, the most dominant run we have ever seen in Topanga League, which usually has some of the best players on the planet participating. Uh, a good, you know, a good portion of them, right? Um, so I am, yeah, I am personally for Akuma and G getting nerfs, but since we have not had offline tournaments like we're used to seeing, I am not opposed to keeping the game as is for the time being with no battle changes. It's like, yeah, let's let's explore this game a little bit more offline before we get into that, right? But that said, when I see people saying up and down that Urian is number one and such, I'm going to push back on that for a number of reasons. Nemo and Dogura drop the character. Tokido's Urian is garbage it, yes. it's 17th at evo japan oh, garbage. i love that you just said that because yes he did get 17th at evo japan but he got it with amazing seating when he faced three pro players he won one game and then he lost the next two and he he was not facing great players in there and again he had every opportunity uh, uh to go in there and pick yurin and topanga league because topanga league was about a little under two months after evo japan and yet he did not freaking touch Urian, the supposed number one character, and he went on one of the most dominant runs uh, we've ever seen. And so, yeah, so if Urian ends up being the best character in the game, I'll hold that L. But I don't like narratives putting, being put out there that benefit a very small portion of our player base, especially pro players with a vested interest in, in seeing that their characters are not touched and other characters are dropped down. And, and it's like, look... The attention right now needs to be on Akuma and G. Urian has not justified it at all. Those other two characters, in our opinions, have. And, and again, people can debate that up and down. Um, I, we we definitely do behind the scenes. We talk about this stuff a lot. But look, the evidence is not there for Urian yet. 
if it ends up there, great. But he's we we put him in the top three, top ten range. So so yeah. He lost to uh, was it Itazan and Knuckledew? It is on a knuckle do, yes. So if I lose to it is on a knuckle do, then I'm garbage. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not uh, gonna twist your words. Don't yeah, worry about it. Yeah, gotcha. Those damn lobbyists trying to get these characters buffed or go under the radar and, and whatnot. I mean, we the people know kind of my stance. I think Urian's probably around number three. And hey, I would be super happy to see that guy get nerfed a little bit because I think the tools that he has. Nah, I don't even need to go into the details there. He's he's stronger than I think he should be. Um, I don't best in the game probably not but uh, he's definitely up there and I'd definitely like to see him get tweaked down a little bit I don't know if I'm sold on that Daigo and Tokido are doing little lobby tactics and whatnot but yeah I mean it it is good to keep people in check if you think we are or if you think they are and uh, and we're the platform to or a platform to uh, contribute to that so I don't disagree with you on on those fronts I do think that uh, I, I I'm hesitant to say that they're doing that kind of a thing, but hey, you know, it's all good. The fact of the matter is uh, we, we all agree that Akuma and G are better characters. Why are they not talking about those characters? And again, I, I understand that they, you know, have whatever opinion on that, but Tokido plays Akuma when the chips are down. It, it's like, dude, how come are, you're not talking about your own character a little bit more than this? How come you're not putting this out there? And why are you, you putting out tier lists where Urine is number one? You know, kind of thing, and, and and doing this like subterfuge or whatever this this is what you're doing. If if you really care that much about the game and like how it's balanced and all this other kind of stuff, talk about your own freaking character where you have more experience and or have better results than anyone else out there. And don't give me this crap about how Urian is number one and you're like doing this and doing that with him. And it's be upfront about it, but he's not going to do that because he has so much money riding on this. And again, he can step up and he can talk about these characters. And Daigo, again, I, I saw the quote with FGC Translated who has like 300 videos online and I can't find the damn quote again. But he's like, yeah, I was sandbagging with Kage and other characters. Like pro players are going to do that. Like we, we even you know asked our, our team here if we would do it to some degree. And I think everyone basically said, I would try to be more honest about it. But yeah, I probably would do that if money I was I wouldn't go line. out of my so, way to say to try to get my character nerfed if i was playing the strong character but i also who wouldn't be lying about it yes yeah and and that's where i take issue with it it's like it's you guys aren't really being upfront about this stuff uh again with tokido and daigo i think both guys are are really trying to downplay their mains with this and that's where i get at it and it's our job to sniff this stuff out it's our job to see these narratives and other things happening and going hey that's bullcrap like you guys should not be doing this and doing it in this way it's it's akuma and guile staying great and, and doing all this kind of stuff that benefits those guys it doesn't benefit the entire community we want good balance for everyone we don't want good balance for tokido and daigo let me ask you this then if their mindsets are as such and they are trying to position themselves to be as efficient as possible play the strongest character would be i think something that they would do and i think there's like there's no question the strongest character for the last couple of years has been rashid and neither player picked rashid in tournaments there too wouldn't it have been better for them to migrate over to the obvious strongest character they're not playing slouches and guile and akuma uh, both characters, you can make the case, and we we personally felt Rashid was better than Akuma, but like a lot of people had Akuma over Rashid last year, and Akuma has generally been one of the best characters in the game uh, throughout the history of Street Fighter, but very much in Street Fighter Five. And Guile, at some points, I think in season three, um, maybe season two, I don't know, uh, some people had him as the number one character. So I mean, it's. <laughs> they're they're playing top tiers you know as the fact they're not playing Rashid is kind of whatever they are playing characters comparable to him 
All right. So anyway, we're going to push back on it. That's why we do it. Uh, I'm not saying we're going to be right about everything. Um, but when we see that and, and it's an obvious question, we're going to call it out. And we're going to continue to do that. Because, again, our interest, our, our vested interest here is in seeing the entire FGC get better. Uh, the balance be as good as it possibly can be. All that kind of stuff. That's really what we care about at the end of the day. Uh, sometimes we're going to butt heads with people on that. And that's okay. Uh, we're going to have a healthy, good discussion about it. We're going to go back and forth. We're going to try to figure out what the truth is of the matter um but yeah so since we're uh reasonably an influencer and since we know that capcom is for sure listening to this episode of the podcast i just want to say that nikali despite him seemingly getting buffs this season uh the little oh man they they, they kind of screwed him over okay because he's not a very good character his ex stomp it's plus but guess what it leaves you so far away there's very little you can do with that plus and then they nerfed his uh, v skill too, the throw up that everyone was kind of afraid of it's like it's like it's okay and it was okay for a few matchups with uh, fireballs but now it's you can you can get around it even if you're a fireball character uh the nikali needs hella buffs and capcom you're listening give him buffs Capcom, if you're listening, please keep Nikali as is because I can't stand that character. But looks into this guy, he's like lobbying against my character for his own interests. That was mostly being facetious. I actually have to go back to what Dream King said, and he's like, Yeah, the character is too limited. And what you really do want to do with Nikali is, um, uh, you want to make him more dynamic and you want to add new things into his gameplay, not make his same dumb, really easy stuff better, make him more thoughtful and calculated of a character, and then we're good to go. You know, kind of thing like add some new flavors in there that don't make them boring and other things. And that would be a way of addressing them. But unfortunately, Capcom's history with this stuff is like unless they're adding new mechanics or other things, you don't often see much in the way it changes for these guys. Um, I think Nikali is pretty much going to stay where he's at. But yeah. his history is he's been one of the better characters in Street Fighter V. So I'm not going to shed too many tears over him. Like Nikali players have definitely had their time in the sun uh, for many more seasons than most other people have had. So. Yeah, but he's been like at the bottom of that where you can't really enjoy the party. Like he's at the party, but he he's like doesn't get into the VIP. And it's like, dude, this so isn't worth it. I'd rather be partying back on the beach with everybody else instead of out here on the yacht because I'm only around like a, a, allowed to be on like the outer ring of the lot, the yacht. I can't get inside and hang out with Urian. I'm sorry, uh, Urian's not the best character in the game. He's out there too, right? <laughs> no, but I can't get out there inside yeah. with the, the the top tiers and whatnot. And uh, it's just frustrating. So it's like, yeah, he's got a lot of good things going for him, but like they don't work with each other well enough to uh, to get him up there into that upper echelon. Uh, but that's you're literally a, complaining about your, your, uh, Nikali not being top tier. You're, you're literally saying he's just he's he's strong, but he's not top tier. Dude, right? if that's how we're talking about this game right now, it's <laughs> it's like if my character is not the best in the game. Uh, then it needs buffs. So uh, okay, well, fair enough. Hey, you're you're doing a very pro player thing, so I I, I respect. I'm that, trying so. to be a pro. <laughs> Can't win Evo right now, so got to do it this way. All right, now we're going to be joined by Nicholas Majinson Chan Taylor, our tournament coverage specialist. Uh, thanks for having me again. Yep, and he has been very not happy with the lack of tournaments in the FGC. And yeah, Guilty Gear, Stri Guilty Gear Strive, I should say, is maybe not going to make him the happiest person yet either. But we're going to also talk with Dakota Dark Horse Hills. Say hi, Dakota. Hey, yo, what's up? All right, so I want to set the stage here by saying that both guys told me that they thought one aspect of Guilty Gear Strive beta was an April Fool's joke and kind of had to check with each other on if it was legit or not. Guys, can we start there and explain to our listeners what's going on? 
I can't explain because there's no explanation. It makes no sense. <laughs> but it's uh, the lobby system. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how that got approved. I mean, I did an article on it, and I was harsh. I don't think I've ever been this harsh writing an article. That's no. That's not possible. No, no, no. I swear, I, I've never been that harsh writing an article. Oh my god! And I still held back. I really, really tried not to be too mean, but that thing is an absolute abomination, and I just. I don't understand how that got past the uh, anything. Like, I don't understand how anyone even had the idea to begin with, let alone how it was greenlit and, you know, continued on into an actual beta. It, it, I don't know. I can't explain before, it. Before we get into details, Dakota, do you echo his sentiment? Yeah, like, I can understand being like, after a decade, maybe we at Arxis should change things up a bit. Maybe go into the next generation of fighters with a new lobby system that we can customize and bring forward. But what they ended up with just, besides it being like kind of an ugly mess that has nothing to do with Guilty Gear or its art style, as Nick has pointed out, what we saw on the beta, it wasn't really functional either. It didn't work. It just, it was just a mess. Now it's it is a beta. So how much of this, how much of the issue here are things where you go, okay, well maybe this is just something that needs to be tidied up by the time the game launches, versus uh, this is a decision they made that was bad that looks like it's going to be in the main game. And I guess we can get into details here too. Throw it out, get rid of it. It is flawed in concept. Even if they had actually developed it well, it would still be terrible. And they didn't develop it well, so it's even more terrible. And I'm. I want to make it clear for all the listeners, I'm only talking about the lobby system. I'm not talking about the game. The game has several good points. The lobby system does not. The lobby system has one good idea, and you can do it with a better lobby system. Keep that idea. Do everything else from scratch, because this is not salvageable. Okay, so what's the what's the worst thing about it? <sighs> Where do I even begin? I think, like, for me personally, and I know some people don't care that much, but for me personally, it's that it completely clashes with Guilty Gear. Like... Even if we pretend it's completely functional and it works fine and everything, okay? Imagine, you've seen the Grand Blue lobbies, right? You've seen what they look like. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine Mortal Kombat having those. <laughs> That's the level of clash we're talking about. And even then, like, they don't look good either, you know? So, and they don't work. So there's a lot of stuff piling on here. When, but, when you say they don't work, like, what's going on there? It's 2D. Right? So you're moving in a 2D space, and the way you challenge people is you draw your weapon. But it's a 2D space, so everyone is standing in the same spot. So the game is trying to match you with like 10 different players and doesn't know who to match you with, so it doesn't work. <laughs> this is not something that's going to work either. Because even if you make it so it only focuses on the first player, which absolutely can, it's still going to be nigh impossible for you to actually match with the pe people you want to match against. Because there's no guarantee that these guys are on your friend list and, you know, you can invite them to a private match or private lobby or whatever. Maybe this is someone you recognize from a tournament or whatever and you're like, oh, I want to challenge this guy. You don't even get the chance to get rejected. For those that haven't seen it yet, it's uh, one of those, it's like a chibi lobby, right? Where it's similar to Dragon Ball Fighters no. and previous Guilty Gear. No, no not at all. Like no. you're, a little, you're a little figure that runs around and has to match up with the other little figures as opposed to Street Fighter V's lobbies or something like that it, sure, where you're sure. just in, in a menu. In that sense, it is the same, but it is not a chibi lobby at all. It looks like a random like indie game from a Western developer that was released in like a month. 
So so you're all on this <laughs> you're all on this two-dimensional plane and you have a figure and you need to line that figure up with another figure of that's being controlled by somebody else in this screen yeah. and touch swords is that what it was? Yeah. Now I will say there is there was a function that wasn't available in the beta where if you pulled up the menu there was if you clicked on a player's profile there was a option for challenge them specifically to a fight but that wasn't in the beta but I assume it would be in the full release, obviously. But yeah, the way the auto match works is just didn't work. Right. But if we pretend that that was in the beta and that is going to be in the main game if they stick with the system, what's the point of the lobby? Why isn't it just a list of players you can challenge in that case? Uh, well, you said there's some customization options and whatnot to explore there. Have you seen screenshots of this? Yeah, it's pretty low resolution too, right? Or not low resolution, but just uh, no. Yeah. Low resolution is accurate, actually. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah with how it beautiful <laughs> and and detailed Guilty Gear is, and how much that's been a talking point about the game to transition into the lobbies is definitely jumping from the hot tub into the cold pool. Yeah, and it's also that you don't even like. Okay, sure, it's a beta, whatever. But for a beta, you're trying to show people the charm of your game. You don't even have Guilty Gear items to put in your character. Like, you, you, you can just... It, it's like have a hotel. You're just making the character look like a regular dude or a regular girl. You don't even have, like, Guilty Gear-specific stuff that might be cool if you're a Guilty Gear fan. It makes no sense. There's no reason for this to be in Guilty Gear. It's just it's just weirdest thing. And kind of on top of that, too, what a lot of would gloss over is, like, pretty much a third of the screen is pretty much useless, too, because it's filled with the news and information section. Right, and right. In the That's beta, true. it was completely, well, not blank, but it was just full of coming soon. And it was like, okay, so a third of the screen is pretty much useless. And so if the game comes out and that's still the same, and it's not, and that part's not getting constantly updated, and I don't know what's even going to be all in there, but if that kind of area stagnates on that side of the screen, then literally a third of your screen is going to be worthless information that doesn't do anything for you, but... I don't know. Even on top of that, another thing that I brought up in my article is uh, when you enter a lobby or when someone else enters a lobby, a speech bubble comes up over their head or after you end the match where they say like, oh, hello or thank you for the match or whatever. This isn't prompted by the player. It's automatic, uh, which, you know, a speech bubble is whatever. The problem is the speech bubble takes precedence over people's names. So trying to <laughs> find who you're looking for is also a chore unless you use the player list, which brings me to my point again. If you're going to make it so that everything is a massive chore and almost impossible to use unless you use the player list why isn't the lobby just a player list yeah it sounds like it's very visually convoluted and frustrating it is and and it gets in the way of its own good right and what it's trying to do yep i mean i mean a big reason why i'm so critical of it is because arcs have the best lobbies in the whole genre if you look at grand blue guilty gear excerpt dragon ball I think Dragon was a little bit worse, but I don't remember. Either way, you have these lobbies you can make with, like, X amount of players can join, and you have arcade machines you sit down at. It's formed like an arcade. So you can see who you're going to be matching up against. You can sit down. You can hold tournaments very easily in a lobby like this. And this, what we're seeing in Strive is a step back in every way. It's a step back visually. It's a step back mechanically. It's a step back in functionality. Like... I have to All cut you of off it. there. You you guys have said there's one thing about it that's really good, right? Yes, there is one thing that is really good. And that is, uh, it's a little bit difficult to explain, but I'll do my best. Um, you have floors in the lobby. So you have 10 different floors. And you 
when you come in, you can enter whichever floor. It, you're going to have rankings once the game comes out. In the beta, they didn't really save your rankings that much, but they gave you, like, a taste of it. And uh, say you enter on floor one, which is the lowest level floor, and you, like, perfect three people in a row, they're going to send you up a floor, and you're not allowed to go to floor one anymore. So this way, beginner players don't have to be at risk of getting beaten down by pro players. But low play, you're never going to be barred from going to a higher room. So even if you just bought the game and you're a Guild Gear veteran, you can go to room 10 right away. You can, uh, or floor, floor 10. You can go there right away and you can fight against all the best players and maybe, you know, instantly have good matches and win against them. That also helps with people who, like, rebuy the game because, you know, their console broke down or something. Or maybe there's a PC version later and they buy the PC version, but they've been training on PS4. Whatever, something like that. And I think that's a very good system because it helps beginners and new players to find, like, a comfort zone where they can practice against similar level players, but you aren't restricted to that zone. And that, I think, is very good. So not everyone has to start from square one if they don't want to. Right. And top players can't go down and, like, snipe you either. Yeah, it's interesting to see how they've set it up as kind of like where we normally see, like, a skill ceiling that prevents you from going up. The way that Strive's lobby worked was that it had a skill floor, but that you couldn't go down below. And yeah. So that was an interesting thing that, yeah, I agree that I do like in concept and I want to see how they kind of flesh it out if they do anything further with it or not. I don't know. Yeah. I heard that there was some frustration about the fact that when you start to level up, it forces you into a new room. And maybe this starts to bleed over into the issues that you guys are expressing a little bit earlier with now you have to, you know, maybe you maybe you find your stride right in your in your current lobby and you've figured it out and you've been able to play a couple of players and you've gotten to know these players maybe even or maybe it was your friends but then you level up and you're forced to go up to the next level when maybe you don't want to and then you have to figure out how to you know physically align yourself with the people in this particular floor and and go through that process again i heard a couple of frustrations about that well the beta yeah. does have a level down function if you lose too much they will kick you down a floor yeah, you can still go up to the upper floor again. The problem is, and this is why we've been saying the system isn't functional, the floors aren't the same for everyone. If you're trying to match up with someone uh, who is also playing the beta, which I did with several of my friends, and we go to Europe because it's divided in regions, Europe floor 5, we get different Europe floor 5s. Mm. So uh, you are, are only able to find your opposing player by luck, then trying to challenge them is also a test of luck because you need to isolate yourself from other players so they don't accidentally challenge, right? And uh, then you need the network to actually let you play them. And then once you play played a match, one of you gets forcibly moved to a different room and might not be able to come back to the same room. We call that getting banished to the Shadow Realm. <laughs> so it was a complete nightmare in every sense of the word. And yes, a lot of these problems are technical issues but it's not even worth working them out because it's still going to be a bad lobby system even if it works because the concept is already not good. You, you're, you're making a system where you have a member list which works better than the system even if the system is fully functional. That's not a good look. So Dakota, do you, do you also feel like this is something that they should just ultimately scrap and try again with or do you see some potential where maybe if you made a few little tweaks it could actually be something worth uh, continuing to pursue? I don't, it's, 
it's tough because I feel like maybe if they did kind of give it like a real Guilty Gear makeover, put in Guilty Gear items, like make you kind of let you kind of customize your own Guilty Gear character almost, it might be okay to I don't even know if salvage is the right word. It sounds like no, <laughs> not really. I'd I'd rather just have the old way at this point. <laughs> just go back. All right, so I've been, oh, I've, I've absolutely seen the game, and it is gorgeous. It's gorgeous as in its own Guilty Gear way with the way they do the sprites, and it's like actually 2D models, but then with like some, some 3D overlay. The game looks gorgeous, and I've heard and continual praise on that front. That's been one of the biggest positives for the beta, and even before the beta. What I've heard in, in terms of positives is it looks really good, and it's got a lot of potential, but outside of that, there's a lot of crap going on too. Is that about accurate? from what you guys actually played? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I'd say the game is pretty much absolutely stunning in like both stills and in motion. Where I think like even going back to Exard, like sometimes in motion it looks a little not choppy because that's how it's kind of supposed to be, but a little wonky in some areas, but I feel like Arxis has made some real strides pun intended in <laughs> how they kind of leveled up their style over the years and even going from grand blue, which is already a fantastic game to strive, which is better looking, but it's better looking in the smaller details I'd say. And the only thing I changed about the look was I, th I think that the color saturation is a little bit low where it is right now. Like things just kind of feel a little desaturated and the colors hmm. don't pop as much as Exart, but that's probably a, design choice at this point but i would rather see them go back to a more popping color scheme i guess also think it's a design choice to make it more saturated but we've seen like images especially of faust where you can't really tell if he's part of the background or not which is probably not a problem for fighting game veterans because you know what faust looks like but for a new player that might be a bit awkward uh, Nick, how fun is it to actually play? When you're actually in there, you've gotten past the lobbies, all the uh, all the BS there, how fun is it to actually engage in the gameplay? I mean, uh, I landed like probably 20 wake-up supers, so I was having fun. <laughs> I was having real fun. <laughs> uh, but no, no um, I think it's fun. It is. But uh, a big problem for me, and I've played... I, I'm not a good Guilty Gear player, but I've played Guilty Gear for a long time, so I know like the basic intricacies of Guilty Gear and such, and like how, how movement works and how uh, what, what kind of buttons you have and whatever. And uh, even I, in that position, had troubles figuring out what exactly am I supposed to do here combo-wise because they basically removed the Gatling system or heavily lessened it, which, um, in case someone isn't aware, the Gatling system is where you go from a weaker button to a stronger button, so it's similar to Marvel vs. Capcom 3. Uh, where you would go light, medium, heavy launcher. And Guilty Gear has a similar thing where you go punch, kick, slash, heavy slash. Uh, you can't do that anymore. So these basic combos that are fairly universal and that you kind of just go to when you see a quick opening, uh, they're not there. And since there wasn't a training mode, I couldn't really search for combos on my own, um, except when I actually got matches. Mm -hmm. um, and that that like that doesn't have to be a problem, but when... The stated intent of the game is to make it more welcoming to beginners. I really don't understand that decision at all. It doesn't make any sense to me. 
Yeah, I had a lot of fun playing the game. It took a while to kind of get used to everything, but then unfortunately it, was, it wasn't until like the last half hour or so of the beta that everything kind of started to click and be like, okay, this is kind of how matches should flow, how you should play your, how you should handle your neutral and how you should handle your advancement and stuff and kind of getting a better grasp on the updated Roman cancel system and things like that. But when you first get into a match you can immediately tell that the game just feels heavier than Exard. Like, and it's slower, but I wouldn't call it slow either. There's still rushdown and mix-ups, and it's not all just about the footsies and neutral like some people might make it out to be. But, like, footsies and neutral are a big, big part of Strive, and... It just like feels like they're making you earn your way in now. And I just... One thing I did like is that attacks all felt really beefy and it made them really fun to hit and land. But yeah, getting the combos going and just figuring things out were a struggle, which is ironic and considering that kind of goes against what Arxis had been setting out to do by simplifying things. Well, now, given that there would be a training mode, do you think that would rectify this particular problem? It would fix a lot of kind of probably what we ran into as people that have played Guilty Gear before and things like that, but at the same time, just picking up and playing Strive for the first time, it doesn't feel like a great pick-up-and-play game. Like, it feels, in many ways, because it's missing the Gatling system almost entirely, that it's, in some cases, a worse pick-up-and-play game because you can't just mash out simple combos and things. You have to know what you're pressing. Now, I was hearing you you guys compare this to Street Fighter V's launch, and anyone who hears that is going to recoil in fear and anger and other stuff. Uh, how accurate is that? How much do you guys feel like this is like, man, does this ever remind me of Street Fighter V, uh, the launch of the game? Like... Yeah, how how do you guys feel that that adds up? I think there's a very big parallel with one particular thing to uh, Street Fighter Five, because one thing that happens in earlier Guilty Gear games and also happened in Street Fighter Four was that if you make a mistake and the opponent is really aware and they hit you with something, you're going to take a hell of a lot of damage, right? In Street Fighter Five, in the early days, somewhat still now, but even more in the early days, and this is true for Strive as well. The same thing happens, but without them actually knowing their combos. Because I was playing Chip. Uh, for anyone who knows Guilty Gear, he has the lowest guts in the game, so he takes a lot of damage. So I would get hit twice, and they wouldn't do a combo. It would just be a random hit. They wouldn't know what to do, but I got a random hit twice, and I would just be like, oh, well, I'm still in the game. And then, like, sooner or later, I would glance up at my life bar, and I would be at, like, 40%. And I would be like, uh, am I playing Sam Show? Like, what, what the hell just happened? <laughs> And that is kind of terrifying in a game with such high, like, I mean, Dakota said it's not as fast as XR, but it's still fast. Uh, so having that kind of, like, gigantic risk attached to just moving around was, ah, uh, it was scary. I don't know. I mean, that that's another area that feels like beginners wouldn't really be able to get past. I don't know. Yeah, that's one thing I ran into a lot, too, is that it felt like with the damage tuned up so, so high that in many cases there wasn't enough time in a match to adjust to what your opponent was doing because you'd already be dead before you could. Yeah. And you just kind of felt like, oh, I guess I'll 
try to do something in the next round or if there is no next round like well i guess i'll try that against the next person i run into i guess but there's there was no real room to make really any errors and that's kind of a problem in the beta that you don't know what you're what you're doing in the first place but yeah that will be lessened in the full release if it remains this way but i do hope that they make some changes to the damage and the damage scaling because uh there's there's some problems there yeah because a thing with exert and the earlier guild gears as well is like i said you're probably going to die in just as many hits as you did here. But the opponent needs to know how to get all that damage out. Now it's just they press the button. You got hit. All that damage came at once. Um, I don't know. And what if they know? What happens once they do know how to do a combo? And now these like two hits, uh, that apparently it's doing like 30% per hit. What if they can <laughs> start combos up now? And, and I hear the combos are fairly limited, but once people know is it going to become like a two touch game completely and and right now where does it stand how many touches before you're dead oh definitely i've seen a 90 percent combo on chip and it's like what day two with the beta you didn't even have it the whole day so it's like what mm. hour seven and someone found a 90 percent combo on chip i mean <laughs> this game hurts guilty gear does tend to hurt but this is extreme even for guilty gear but in a lot of times, especially in the vanilla version, and this is even before the vanilla version, technically, damage is usually high, at least from what I've seen and I've experienced in, in fighting games in general. And that gets tweaked down. Sometimes, uh, I, I have to imagine it would happen between now and the actual release of the game. But then in like the, the, the first major update after release, you usually see balance get toned down a little bit. Yeah, but I think the problem with that is now you basically don't have air combos at all, which Guilty Gear is kind of known for having. Um, and I think if you lower the damage, you conversely make it less exciting because now you don't have these super cool extensions and the ad-libbing that you can usually do in Guilty Gear. Not, not to the same extent, anyway. And then, all of a sudden, what you have are fairly basic combos that do maybe 50%, and it becomes kind of like, you know? So is it oversimplified, but also not beginner-friendly? Is that what, was what's yeah. kind of emerging right now? Yeah, pretty much. It's it's very strange because most of the decisions they've made to make it easier for beginners definitely don't make it easier for beginners. What it does is make it less interesting for competitive players. So if anything, they're trying to make sure that newer players lose against... Uh, sorry, ha get an edge on experienced player simply by the boredom of the experienced player. Oh no, I know that, that sounds like a I know that sounds approach. extreme. I'm gonna say like the game feels good to play, like the movement and the neutral feels pretty good. I, I like that. But there are some other issues just like I mean I've seen a lot of people talk about the damage, for example, and sure it's it's day two or technically day one and people talking about lack of creativity, we can't really say that. It's way too early for that. But that's like the initial impression it gives is like that. That said, a lot of games have had that initial impression and then disproved that later. Because uh, I know a lot of people said that about Street Fighter 4, and that wasn't the case. Uh, I know a lot of people also said that about Granblue, and we're finding now that that isn't quite the case either. There's a lot of like advanced stuff in there. And given that it's Arxis, I'm pretty sure Strive has the same thing. But these are the worries that people are feeling right now based on what they played. Yeah, from what we played in the beta, everything that's coming across feels like everything they did to try to simplify the game for beginners had either you know pretty much already been done by Grand Blue and had been done better by Grand Blue in pretty much every facet, with the simple inputs and the special icons and another kind of 
focus on neutral and footsies, like Grand Blue is a much better pick up and play game as it sits right now than Strive in, as it is in the beta. Part of that is too that Grand Blue does have the auto combo system, and Strive, as far as we know, is taking out the uh, stylish input mode and not having any simplified input so that's another decision choice that i get but at the same time feels counterintuitive in some facets so we have a lobby system that needs to be thrown out and completely reworked and it's sounding to me like we have a gameplay system that needs a lot because as we we've approached it from the you have your casual and your competitive and it sounds like they've in trying to appease both have actually failed on both fronts at least to a significant degree so it sounds like there's needs to be a lot of revamping in this avenue as well how long before you'd say this game would be ready to actually hit shelves from what we've seen in the beta i mean i want to uh, i think i already said it but i just want to double clarify to everyone when it comes to the gameplay I don't think it's necessarily limited for a competitive player, but it's just so incredibly unintuitive for a new player that even if it ends up having the most godlike gameplay, which it could, um, it's still not going to achieve their goal of being accessible and easy for new players. And I don't know how you really fix that without just walking back a bunch of decisions. And I don't think that's something they're going to do because we had a playable version of Gilgit Shrive at Arc Rio America, I think that was back in November, and they took uh, feedback from people who were there. And they said, we're taking feedback very seriously. We're, like A lot of this stuff isn't final. Don't be too mad. We're going to switch stuff up. We just want your feedback. Just let us know. And I mean, now, six months later, everyone gets this closed beta test and things aren't really different. So like this, this talk about listening to feedback, maybe it's just that this beta test wasn't like that. I don't know. They wanted more opinions. Maybe they've already changed stuff internally. I have no idea. But based on what we've seen, they aren't actually interested in changing stuff up, which makes me think that they are on track to release this year and that they're just hoping that people will get over the changes. Dakota, how do you feel? Yeah, I don't know. Like he was saying, it seems like the gameplay and the gameplay aspects have remained largely the same since we first saw it playable it around November last year. But we, there was one change that was they did redesign the health bar UI and such for this beta compared to the old stuff. And from everything I just saw and felt in the, in the beta this weekend, it just, it didn't feel like there's enough time to finish a game properly like that in the eight months we have left in 2020. I I don't know how old that beta build is. It could be two months old. It could be four months old, but or even older. But it just, from where everything was sitting there and how unfinished or unpolished even parts of the graphics and presentation seem, that it's just, I, I don't know how this game can come out in 2020 if it's going to have any marked improvement from where it was now which it kind of needs if it's going to have any chance of <laughs> pretty much making it anywhere going by how people are feeling right now that could all change by the time people get their hands on it more and it comes out but i just i i see this game still being like a year away or i kind of hope it is because it just feels like it needs more time to fix not even fix, but to 
adjust and kind of find the sweet spot for the things that they're looking for. How realistic, how confident are you guys that that can even happen now? Because it sounds to me like we're in a fairly dismal situation with this glimpse of where we're at and the potential for it to not change all that much. How much confidence do you have that Stribe will even be a success at this point? Um, I am confident that the gameplay, even if it's very different, will be good. I'm very confident in that. I'm confident that it will be a very beautiful game. It already is. Might be marred by other issues because I still think the UI isn't very good and the lobby system is terrible, as I've said before. But I am also confident that it will not, as it stands right now, ignite many new players to try it out. Um, despite the fantastic visuals. So, like, with the goal we've kept hearing from them in interviews and everything of, like, expanding Guilty Gear's audience and, you know, making it a bigger series than it's been before. I do not see that happening, especially not when people have given them a lot of feedback and they don't really seem to want to follow it because, like, a lot of the design choices they're making here are reminiscent of Street Fighter V. Uh, that's, that's a parallel a lot of people have brought up. And while Street Fighter V may be a success now, it certainly wasn't when it came out, and they're not doing what Street Fighter V is doing now. They're doing what Street Fighter V did in 2016, which was very much not a success. In some areas, they're not they're not just copying Street Fighter V. They're doing their own thing. But still, a lot of the statements and such and a lot of the approaches they're taking feel very Street Fighter V-ish. And uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Like Capcom have... Capcom are a big enough company where they can do that and they can then continually try to improve the game and finally have a product where people feel like, okay, well, this this is worthy enough of having the Street Fighter name attached to it. Uh, Arxis have certainly done better in the last few years, but most of their big hits are licensed games where they're the developer, not the publisher. So it's a question of how much money are they actually seeing from the sales of Dragon Ball Fighters, Grand Blue Fantasy and such. Um, enough to like sit and you know, tinker with Guilty Gear for three years nonstop to make it, right. like, acceptable to... I, 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 I'm sounding harsh here, but you know what I mean when I'm relating it to Street Fighter V. Will and people hang out and wait for the changes to happen, or will, will they not? Since Grand Blue Fantasy Versus exists, no. If Grand Blue Fantasy Versus did not exist, I would believe they would, but a lot of people are just saying, I'm going to play Grand Blue instead. That sounds like a story, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for the front page. Dakota, how do you feel about the confidence? And then also, if there's anything else that you guys wanted to make sure to get to, let's uh, let's get into that after this. If Arxis continues on the trajectory they have been for especially the last few months and going out of this beta, I feel like Strive will be just as, if not more, divisive than Street Fighter V, especially when it came out. And I just... It's tough because I really want this game to do well. I really, like, I, even the way it sits now, I can see myself liking to play Strive more than I like to play Exart at this point. But the way that everyone in the audience seems to be kind of feeling and the what Arxis is saying, it just, things aren't adding up between the two. And that kind of gives me worry that if things kind of come out the same way they are now, that people are yeah either going to just stick with Grand Blue or they're going to stick with Exard, and Arcus might just be left with something that 
might not really appeal to anyone when they wanted to make it appeal to a lot more people. That would be tragic, especially with the soundtrack being so good and the visuals being so good. Uh, was there anything else that you guys wanted to make sure to get to? Mm, if they add Elfelt, they better keep her sign costume because I, I really like her sign costume. <laughs> well, I'm sure Arxis is listening to this, so I'm sure I that hope will so. happen. I really hope so. I, I wrote it in the survey too, so they've heard me. They've definitely heard me. They they better listen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, then I think we've covered it. Uh, Guilty Gear Strive. It's it's interesting because a lot of the information coming out right now is fairly overwhelmingly negative. But it also, and I don't know why, feels as though there's still a reasonable chance for things to eventually come together. I mean, it is a beta. And yeah. we don't know how much is actually going to shift between now and when the game actually releases. We don't know how much time that's going to be. Um, so there are a lot of variables out there. And I think that's a good thing because a lot of stuff needs to get changed. But there is a sense of... This could still very much work. There's enough going for it. There's enough potential where this could be a total success, but a lot of scary stuff after this last weekend. Yeah, I'd like to comment on that, actually, why that is. Um, I think a big reason is, regardless of whether it ends up being true or not, Arxis have been very vocal about being open to criticism, and they want to hear a lot of opinions because they want to help that shape the game. And thus, you're seeing a lot of negativity, and so am I, but it's constructive negativity except about the lobbies i'm not being constructive about the lobbies but <laughs> most most yeah, of what deconstruct I'm, those and break them down pre, yeah exactly break it down uh but most of what i'm seeing are people giving their honest opinions and saying like this is not a thing that i enjoy about strive but then adding how about you do something like this instead and that's not typically what you saw with street fighter 5 where it was more like this sucks throw it away mm. yeah so but a I lot think, of what I, I think that's the reason you have this hopeful feeling inside of you about it. And I think most people do, because even if Arxis managed to like completely bungle the game and the gameplay is terrible, which I highly doubt, uh, the community and the people who love Guilty Gear are still passionate enough where they'll be like, okay, well, this version wasn't that great. Here's some feedback for the next version so you can make it better. Yeah, I agree with Nick. We and most of the people that are talking about the game are not saying that it should be tossed out and started over from scratch. Like, there are a lot of things to like about what's there right now, but there's also things that a lot of people want to see adjusted, whether they be major or minor things. And that since if they aren't just asking for a complete system wipe and overhaul, that there is hope that. I mean, not even hope, but there is a good probability that, yeah, all this will turn out just fine because Arxis has had probably one of the best track records in fighting game releases in comparable history here. I don't see them messing up something as big as a new Guilty Gear entry when they've essentially been building up for it for about a decade at this point or about six or seven years at least. Yeah, about six years at least, I'd say. Too big to fail. (laughs) Oh, don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> I thought I'd put us off on a, on a nice little ender note, something like that. Uh, John, I forgot you were here. Uh, Do you have anything else you want to add? No, no, I'm good. I, I think uh, I, we've seen it with Street Fighter Five. I can just add in that the game started off terribly, you know, and there's there's no one out there that's going to, I think, say otherwise that has a, their head on straight. And we've seen it recover. I really hope that, that Guilty Gear Strive avoids that. Uh, I think there's a good basis to work off of, but man, whew, it's it's a little scary right now. So, so, yeah. All 
All right. Well, that was episode 100. We've done this 100 times. That's crazy. Uh, but that, that was fun. I'm glad. Uh, I'm looking forward to whatever happens next with Strive. There's that weird silver lining kind of uh, potential around it. So let's continue to ride that. I don't know what Capcom's going to do during this time, but hopefully they are efficient with their time. They make Street Fighter V uh, just that much better to play. A lot of looking to the future right now um, as we're kind of in this like weird time of uncertainty, but stuff to look forward to. And um, I'm all right with it. I'm all right with it. So thank you guys for uh, tuning in to episode 100, and we will see you next week. See you soon. Perfect.